Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Isios. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today's guest is joining us from South Africa. Don't talk to many people from South Africa, but very interesting conversation we have. She's been through an incredible amount of adversity in her life, overcome addiction, overcome so much loss in her own family. Just just the stuff that she had to go through. It's 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 amazing to hear how people can pull themselves out of that and you know, after losing losing her mom and then losing her dad and going through all this addictions and addicted to alcohol, drugs, to be able to pull the, herself out of that is just really remarkable. And we had a, a fantastic conversation. She's just full of life, full of love and energy. We got into her story. We get into South Africa. She really talks about what's going on there, the good, the bad, and, you know, really the message that she has for the world. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Her name is Lee Joy. And yeah, we had a lot of fun. So please let us know what you think about the episode. Leave us a review. And I appreciate all of you. If you haven't subscribed already, go subscribe and share this with a friend. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy. Lee Joy coming right up. And we're rolling. Lee, welcome to the show. Oh, Lance, how awesome to be with you, to finally meet you. I'm so, I'm so blessed by being on your show. And I, I just really want to take a moment to just hold a, a candle to what you're doing and, and the lives that you're changing. Lance, it's really beautiful. Oh, that, thank you so much. That means a lot. I really appreciate that. I, I guess sometimes you, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't realize, you know, because I, I do, I, I interview people and I, when I get that appreciation, it makes me kind of realize why I'm doing this. You know, yeah, like I really, I really appreciate that. And sometimes it's easy to forget, you know, and yeah. I, I really, really, really appreciate that. So thank you for joining us on the show. And, you know, you're in South Africa and you, you're just having a bit of a blackout there, but we got some lights on now. What's going on over there? In order to live in the sunshine, because we generally have really beautiful weather in Johannesburg in South Africa. Uh, 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 we, we've got to pay a little bit of tax and the tax is that our general amenities do not work very well. They're not well managed and apartheid is a, a part to play in that, but post-apartheid has, has also got to take responsibility for uh, our amenities and our, our, um, our power stations not being managed well. So wow. they're kind of falling apart, which means that we have what is known as rolling blackouts. So throughout the country, they're like, four to five hours per area that, that doesn't have any electricity. So we just, I li- we, you and I were chatting and the lights came on and you saw the pure joy in my face. <laughs> and I felt like, and there was the sixth day and there was light. <laughs> yeah, I was saying, sometimes we don't appreciate the light in, until there's darkness. It's just a metaphor for life, right? Sometimes we don't appreciate the dark times. Um, you know, when, when the light's happening, I would love for us to kind of hear about your story. And before we get into everything that you do now, I always find it fun to take us back and kind of give us your backstory a little bit. And, 
you know, tell us some, some things that you went through and kind of how you got through where you are today. So I've got a rather unusual story in that, um, not so unusual that my folks got divorced when I was very young. I was three. Um, and what was unusual was my mum was killed by an elephant. She was with her boyfriend at the time and they were visiting a game a safari game park here in South Africa. And they went on a game drive and the uh, game warden that normally takes them out uh, couldn't go out that morning. And he sent his son instead, who was studying to be a game ranger. And the, uh, in his newness as a student, he, which boggles my mind, but he allowed them to get out the car. And somehow my mum separated the matriarch, the mother elephant, from the calf. And she was trampled by the elephant. Then, not too long after that, my dad gave us up for adoption. Yeah, part of me broke that day when I was dropped off at my aunt and uncle. And I, you know, I've been told by my mom's boyfriend, Tim, that we were going on holiday. So when I woke up and he was gone, and I was told that he wasn't coming back, and I was told that these people were now my parents, I, there's a part of me that broke that day. And I grew up in an environment and in a family where I didn't feel loved, I didn't feel wanted, and I didn't feel seen. And when I was about 17, I discovered alcohol and drugs. And that pain of feeling unwanted, unseen, and unloved for the first time got anesthetized. And I thought, well, that must be the solution is that if I'm drinking and I'm hanging out with my mates and I'm partying and and uh, you know that's and and people enjoyed spending time with me and I and I felt wanted and I felt seen and I felt loved and for a little while it worked you know the that pain was anesthetized and until my father sent me a letter stating that he has nothing to say about why he gave us up for adoption uh he's dying of cancer and uh, he wishes me and my brother a wonderful life. And I was like, no, dude, like, that's not how this is rolling. Like, wow. I'm he was in the UK. I was in South Africa with my, my brother and I luckily got adopted together. And um, I was like, no ways are you going to die without answering some questions for me. So it's, I hadn't uh, applied for my passport in those days. It took six weeks to get a passport. Mm-hmm. And a week before I was meant to fly, he died. And I never got to ask the questions that I so wanted to know. Like, why did you give me up for adoption? Why, when I most needed you, you let me go? And why didn't you, over all these years at least write to us and find out how we're doing, phone us on our birthday, send us a Christmas card, something, just some acknowledgement that you're our father. Uh, and I, I went off the deep end and I, and I, and I really, my, my using and drinking escalated massively. Mm. And then I decided I'm going to leave the, the, the city that I was living in was Cape Town. I was going to leave Cape Town and go to another part of the country known as Gauteng or Joburg. And I wasn't too long that I'd been here and I met the love of my life. And I thought, that's it. That's, that's, I just needed to be loved properly. Then, then, you know, then that's, that will solve all these problems that I have. 
and I stopped using and I stopped drinking and I felt, geez, for the first time in my life, I felt wanted, seen and loved. And we had really beautiful time together and I had gave birth to a little boy who's not so little anymore. He's 18 and six foot three. Um, and, but it wasn't too long after I'd given birth to my son, I had postnatal depression and the old like hole that had been punched through my soul was back again. And I was devastated this time because I thought, well, shit, I don't know what to do now. Now I'm, now I'm not loved. You know, I, I was loved. Now I don't feel loved. So there is no solution. And I felt completely hopeless. And I just spiraled out of control completely. And I landed up divorced, nowhere to live, no job, a suitcase, and just devastated, absolutely devastated. And that was 12 years ago. I found my way into, into sobriety. I've uh, been living clean and sober for the past 12 years. And, and that's been an amazing blessing. Uh, but I had to really, really lose everything in order to just stop and find another way. Wow. So... That must have been, I mean, let's just circle back because that's a very powerful story. First of all, as a kid, losing a mother like in that way is crazy. It just blows my mind. Yeah. And so, sorry about that. And thank you. And, and then having a father that just gives you up, I mean, with no reason or anything, like just said, you're going. So he just said, we're going, you're going on vacation and then, and then just didn't. I know, it's a bit confusing. So my, my, Mother's boyfriend at the time, his name was Tim. He was the one that took us that we took us on holiday and said we're going on holiday. That's what I remember as a four okay. and a half year old. Oh right, okay. I, I don't remember him saying, you know, I won't ever see you again, like goodbye. There was none of that. He just dropped us off, and then the next morning when I woke up, he was gone. Uh, <sighs> yeah. So That's... within a period of six months, I had lost my mother. I'd lost the only father I felt I knew who was Tim. My father gave us up for adoption and my half brother who was living with us went overseas with my brother. Wow. So you had some real limited beliefs installed at a young age, some real yeah. emotional moments. Like, I mean, I, in so much of our identity is created from zero to eight, you know, and how we look at the world and how we feel and our emotions. And to have that is, is crazy. And wow. So I, so, you know, obviously I know exactly the feeling sometimes when you, you have a, when you have deep pain, I didn't go through that, but I went through different pain. Sometimes the only way to cope with that in the real world is to, to hide and hiding through alcohol is, is, is the easiest way sometimes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's socially, be, socially acceptable. So you know, yeah. it's, it's very easy to hide in denial about one's use for sure. Well, especially since our entire culture is built around it. I'm not sure what it's like in yeah. South Africa, but I mean, booze, alcohol is part of everybody's culture. It's like, you know, people go for drinks during lunch, after work. It's like, you know, around for sports, around on holidays. It's like, it's so acceptable. So people never really understand how it's affecting them because it's just the norm, you know? Yeah. 
for sure for sure and so all right so you you struggled with that a few times in your life so what how what allowed you to quit how'd you get out of that that's 12 years sober congratulations like that's amazing i know how hard it is i've I've done a year i did nine months i haven't been able to keep it in that long that's for sure but that's amazing so that itself is like a massive achievement so talk us through how you got sober and what did you what are some of the things you had to work on so i uh, for years before i got sober was diagnosed with bipolar and when i stopped drinking the medication that i had been taking uh, kicked in for the first time and i basically on my detox turned psychotic so I was now clean and sober, but I had lost my mind. And I landed up in, well, I booked myself into a psychiatric ward. And I was in a psychiatric hospital for four weeks, trying to stabilize and detox off the drugs and alcohol and restabilize on my medication. And, um, but why yeah, were you, was why, a, was, why was the medication? Because wouldn't that, because you're on bipolar medication, so wouldn't that calm you down? Or, or okay, sorry to interrupt. So I just, apparently, Lance, what happens is that if you're on medication and you're drinking and taking drugs, it nullifies the medication. Right. So the medication hadn't been working all these years. I'd be taking medication, but it'd be nullified by my drug and alcohol usage. Okay. So when I stopped taking drugs and alcohol, I, my body just suddenly, I like had all this medication that I was taking that suddenly kicked in and that flipped my mind. So on my, we, so it's, I, I turned psychotic on my detox. Oh, right. Okay. I got you. Yeah. So, um, not fun, not fun at all. And but it was the best place for me to be was in a hospital where I could stabilize and I could start healing and I could just find a gentle place to land uh, after going through a really rough nine months since I'd gotten divorced. And after the psychiatric ward and I stabilized on my medication, I wasn't psychotic anymore. Uh, I went to rehab. And I was there for about a month. And there I learned about trauma and how I didn't have a living hope in hell in not being an addict because of the trauma that I'd been through. And the, uh, the, there, there are four causes of addiction. One is trauma. The other is genetic predisposition. So they, there's no genome that's been mapped to say that you are definitely an addict or an alcoholic, but they, the studies that they've done, they've found that 90% of addicts are in some way, shape or form related to other addicts and alcoholics. So it is within the family. The third uh, cause of addiction is the attachment to a caregiver or caregivers. And there I, I mean, my genetic predisposition, my mother and my aunt was an alcoholic. My uncle was an alcoholic. Uh, my grandfather was a functional alcoholic. So we had it in our, in our, and I'm sure my father was an alcoholic as well because he had liver cirrhosis that he died from. Um, 
And then bonding, my attachment to my caregivers was very faulty. And then the neural pathways that are established from usage, like alcohol and drug usage, uh, um, can accelerate. Uh, uh, you know, the more we use, the more we want to use, kind of thing. Mm. So I like I had four ticks out of four. I had a hundred percent hit ratio. <laughs> mm. um, but it was the last twelve years in has been an incredible process of coming Lance out of that victimhood, out of that poor me space of, you know, these horrible things that had happened to me. And, and what was so devastating, I think for me to realize is there were some really horrible and mean things that were said to me as a child, like I'm stupid and ugly and I'll never amount to anything. And I'm a whore just like my mother and all these awful things that were said to me. But what devastated me was that I believed them. Mm. I believed, and that's what gave it those them power over me. And when I became came into recovery and I started this journey of he, of healing, I I was really angry at myself for believing these people and their lies. And I've been able to take a step further and and have deep compassion for myself and 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 even have deep compassion for them because I understand that they too had a really traumatic upbringing and, and an environment that they grew up in and, and hurt people, hurt people. So I, I have come a, an, an amazing, it's been an amazing journey of healing and, and to come to acceptance and uh, deep compassion for myself, uh, for little Lee and big Lee and, and for my caregivers who obviously found it really hard to love me. So how does somebody that's struggling with one of those like how do how do how do they fix it i mean how how do we because essentially most people are addicts in some way or another with something right i mean what like how do we define an addict but how do we define somebody that just i just feel like it's a confusing word sometimes you know what makes somebody an addict it's a really, really great question, Lance. And it's uh, 10% of people are addicts. And addicts means that, or alcoholics, people who have addictive tendencies, that their lives are, are unmanageable and they're powerless over a substance, sex, porn, shopping, gambling, you know, whichever behavior it is. Uh, so their lives are completely unmanageable, 10% of the population. Another 10% of the population are what we call uh, functional drunks or functional addicts. So uh, their lives are manageable, but they, they use a lot. They drink a lot. They, they overeat too much. They have too much sex, but their lives are not unmanageable. They're still able to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, feed the kids, go to work, come back, have a glass of wine or 10, but they're still able to function. Yeah. There's another 10% and they're what we call social users. So they're able to have a glass of wine now and then, and they neither have to have it or they do not have to have it. There's, there's no attachment to having wine or a joint or a line of Coke or whatever it is that they or sex or whatever it is that they enjoy. Um, and then the rest, the other 70% of people 
are non-users. So that's where children come in and grandparents and, and that kind of thing. So it's a, a very big pro uh, proportion of people actually uh, do not have a problem with alcohol and drugs or sex or whatever. Yeah, that's such an interesting topic because our society just, just preys on be, almost make, not making people become addicts, but it's, it doesn't make it easy for people. Like it's like, it, there's a big profit in, 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 in overindulging in booze and, and yeah. in food and drugs and sex. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. You know, like it's, there's just so many, it's, there's so many distractions and there's so many things going on that, you know, people have to be conscious of it. And I just, what I find interesting is how does somebody like walk us through what you had to do on a daily basis? Like how does somebody destroy one of those beliefs or one of those things those those one things that are so say you have trauma right you have past yeah. trauma right yeah so you have uh the the genetic side you see your, your uncle is an alcoholic like say you have one of the other ones like how do we address that and how do we destroy that so that that doesn't affect us anymore essentially that's what we, the root cause how does that happen so as adults, it's important to understand that we're anesthetizing pain. And that's why we're using drugs, sex, rock and roll, whatever it is that we're using, food, gambling, whatever. And I, the way that I was able to heal from those traumas and the, um, the bonding was to go and heal the inner child and to go and find out what part of me needed anesthetization, what part of me what childhood needs were not being met and how could I give that to myself? B, how could I choose other people in my, like my tribe of people to surround me with that can support and love me. And then I have a very strong relationship with God, what I call God, the higher power. And how do I ask God to show up in my life and how do I show up in God's life so that I feel fulfilled? So I went through a very deep healing journey of understanding that the trauma I went through, the physical, emotional, and sexual abuse that I experienced, that, that none of that was my fault. I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't deserve it. I, it's not true that I'm not lovable. It's not true that I'm not wanted. And it's not true that I'm not seen. And I, I went into a very deep dialogue with myself in, in, and, and coming to understand and see who I am and who I was as a child and to see the, the innocence of who I am. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to this part, Lance, but it's, it's, I needed to go through exactly what I went through so that I can do what I do today. I would not be a powerful speaker and coach if I hadn't had these experiences because I'm now able to hold space for people to heal. And I, you know, I did a did a course today with a, a guest house here in in Joburg, and I had from the painter, the cleaner, the manager, the chef, the every single person that runs that a five star is like your top 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 class establishment here in South Africa, and I'm I was running the self care course for the whole staff from the painter to the owner of the, and it was. It was incredible for me to stand. I had like a moment, like a matrix moment where I stood there and I was like, oh, 
this is why I've been through what I've been through. So I can stand here today and bring hope to these people. So there's meaning in my pain. There's meaning in my trauma. There's, there's, uh, there's a purpose to my pain. And I am so grateful that I've been able to move through it so that I can hold space for other people to, to find hope and find meaning in their lives. Isn't it, isn't it amazing though how like we don't want anybody to go through pain. We don't want kids to go through pain. We don't want that, but it's essential for that to ha- like, it seems to be right now. And I'm hoping that our paradigm changes and that people can realize that you don't have to go through pain to, to, to get, you know, to somewhere good in your life, but that's kind of the way it's been. And you don't wish that on anybody, but then at the same time, everybody that's been through that has said it's the best thing to happen. And it's just so crazy because at the time it's the worst. It's the, it, you never feel like it's the answer. Like, why am I going through this? You know? And it's, I'm hoping that it gets to a point in this world where it's people understand the value of how important childhood is and how important it is in instilling beliefs in these children so that they don't have to go through as much pain so that they still have fulfillment and they can still be successful, you know, by, you know, but it's just, it blows my mind how many times I hear that and that, you know, it's, it's essential that we go through this stuff, right? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that we can live in a world where people don't have to go through pain before we, we get to a level that we can, we can become the greatest version of ourselves? Like, or do you think that we're always going to have to go through that in order to become that? It's interesting you say that, Lance. There was a, this chap that was on my course today is the chef at this establishment. And he, I mean, he, when I left there, he just grabbed me and gave me the biggest hug and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, you don't know how much this has changed my life. And the owner was standing next to me and she said, he said, I wasn't taught this stuff, this self-care stuff, the things that you're teaching me today. I wasn't, he must be, this chef must be, uh, he must be in his sixties. So like, like a mature gentleman. And he's like, I never learned any about anything about this stuff. And the owner said to him, but you know, what's beautiful is that you might not have learned about it, but you're going to get to go home tonight and go and share it with your children. Yeah. And I think that if we look back in history, there sure there's some things about our our society that is pretty sickening. But I think that it's always been there. Where there's more of a light being shone on our sickness and our ability to hurt each other. And I think that with more and more time and more and more focus on 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 self-care and 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 nurturing ourselves and making space for ourselves to heal we are becoming examples to our children and i think it can only get better yeah i really feel that things can only get better i feel that that there's uh more and more focus on on the importance of being kind and being compassionate and being mindful and uh, i you know, I think of beer swigging, uh, you know, what do you call, not Norwegians, but the, 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 where they had the tusks, um, I think of like centuries ago. Oh, um, the Vikings? Vikings, thank you. I'm not sure that there was much 
consciousness around eating and you know uh, like engaging on an intimate level with somebody i think it was just it was like ah drink eat like just gorge you know just take and i think that we're moving into a time of of deep mindfulness and 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 and, and leaning into a curiosity of of what it means to be compassionate for oneself and for another Mm. I have great hope for humankind. I'm not sure that the planet's going to allow us to be around <laughs> for too long. I'm more worried about the planet than I am uh, about humankind. I, I'm not sure that we're going to get as long as we as we wanted to be able to uh, fully actualize as, as human beings. Um, but I have great hope for for our future. I, if I look at how young people are. Uh, taking such a deep interest in what it means to be alive. Yeah. It's definitely changed. Like these are conversations that I would have never had growing up and there's just the priorities were different. And I think things are changing and maybe it's cause I'm in the podcast space and talking to great people like yourself, but I notice it around me a lot that the world is changing and it's a great time to be alive, but it's also a time where um, there's a lot of, um, self-awareness, a lot of self-realization and people are starting to understand like what is actually going on here and becoming more conscious. And um, so, you know, people say, oh, it's a, it's, people criticize our time now, but I think we're, we're blessed because we're in a great time here and we, we, we have a, a we ability to communicate around the world and get the message out there. So I think it's exciting where we're at. And, you know, we don't really have a choice in the time we were born. So you got to be grateful for when you were born, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. Um, and, and you and, were born right at this point. Your, your soul expressed itself with such meaning and such purpose and such heart. You yeah. know, you say, like, the intention of you and I chatting tonight to bring hope to... Let's, let's pray at least one other person that listens to your podcast. If we can just touch one person's life. Yeah. and say don't hang in there hang in there there's purpose to your pain there's yeah. meaning to your life you are not here as an expression as this unique beautiful magical expression that you are it's not for nothing yeah. and all the garbage that you've been through and the pain that you've been through is going to shine a light for somebody else mm, very well said i totally agree and that's 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 how it all is i feel like one person so important if we can impact I, I want to talk about South Africa and because I don't talk to many people from there and I've never been, so I don't know a lot about it, you know, with personal development and, you know, even in Canada, there's certain places that are more open-minded. There's certain places in, in the United States where people are more open-minded than others. What's it like in South Africa for people's open mind and, and where, where are we at with, this conversation with majority of people it's a it's a really valuable question you're answering at least asking and i'm not sure if i can answer it directly because we have such a vast level of education within south africa and a vast difference in level of experience of life in south africa and there's huge polarity between the haves and the have-nots. Oh, okay. And the haves uh, were primarily over 20 years ago, white people. 
And over the last 20 years, there's some uh, black and colored folk and Indian folk that have, that are haves, they're part of the, the people who are earning a living, have a job, have job security, have a great education. Uh, so we've got an unemployment rate of nearly 30%, Whoa. which is devastating. Absolutely. And if you think there are 56, 57 million people in South Africa, so let's make it 60 to round it off. So 30% of 60 is, it's a lot of people. Yeah. It's a hell of a lot of people that are unemployed. And our crime rate is, is, is going up exponentially because of this high unemployment rate. So we've got a lot of challenges in South Africa. Politically, there's a lot of games that are being played. And, and unfortunately, our government has primarily been fraught with corruption and theft of the highest order out of our coffers. And, you know, the, the, those that have, have been somewhat affected, but you can imagine those that have nothing have been completely affected. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's a very interesting time to be in South Africa. There's a, there's a yeah, it's a very interesting time. I, I, I feel that there's awareness about things having to change. We, we are needing to understand that there are different levels of understanding and different levels of education. Uh, we need to drastically create jobs in our country. Uh, and I think that if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, uh, security and just the basic need of nutrition uh, would goes a long way to, to creating stability, emotional stability within a country. And we're sitting with such a high unemployment rate that it's, uh, and the crime, you know, we it's crime is really bad in our country. Wow. Um, like, so the farmers are being murdered. There's, there's lots of really radical things. Gender-based violence at an all high, something like every, is it every 40 seconds a woman is raped or a, woman, or a child is raped in our country? We're the highest, we're the rape capital of the world. Uh, we have massive um, uh, walks to parliament and um, uh, what do you call them? Um, like nationwide where people, women were standing up and men even were standing up and going enough is enough. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot that our country is, is needing to grow in and understand and embrace. We come from a very strong fatherless uh, society. Our African people uh, were minors. You know, my, my father's generation of, of, of men in this country were sent to the mines to go and earn money and send money back to, to the children in the villages. So a massive proportion of our my my countrymen grew up without fathers and and children who have essentially lost a sense of respect for women so we're sitting in a in a in a very it's it's a very finely tuned uh, time in our country where 
where we're understanding that we can't just focus on women's issues anymore. We need to focus on men's issues too. Mm. And, and like I said earlier, hurt people, hurt people, yeah. uh, uh, boys that are raping and men that are raping women is they've been traumatized. They've been hurt in some way that it's not functional people that just go out and rape people or murder people. These are people that are in a lot of pain themselves. Mm. So Wow. There is definitely awareness in our country that the things need to change on a whole lot of different levels. Uh, uh, racism is is still something that that we face in our society, black on black, black on white, colored on across the color divides. Uh, there is uh, we're not so much a classist society uh, as much as what it is just coming to have a deep reverence for each other as people mm. uh, and i'm trying to move away from women's issues or men's issues and just say hey we're people mm. how um how do i not discriminate against you in any way shape or form and the way that i do that is i i first understand how i discriminate against myself and i lean into that with deep compassion and i and i question myself how I discriminate against others because we're born with biases, right? And we create like our societies create biases within us. Uh, and when we deny them and repress them, they rear their ugly heads. Mm. So if we can come out in conversation, courageous conversation and discuss our biases and, and get to know each other, I think it's a beautiful thing. Wow. <sighs> that was, um, I, you know, I, I only understood, I knew because I learned a little about it in school and through movies and stuff, but my, was, I knew there was a massive racial divide in South Africa, right? I just didn't know the magnitude that was still going on. So thank you for letting us know because, you know, it's just hearing that and hearing how you've been able to stay positive and how you're leading a movement of like setting the right example and, and just how you're, you're, you're um, talking about yourself and how it's important to really, how are you treating yourself, you know, first and foremost? And then the way you treat yourself is a reflection of how you're going to treat other people, right? So if you're discriminating against yourself and you're hard on yourself, then chances are you're going to be like that to other people. And that's the way what you're saying about hurt people hurt people, right? Mm. And, yeah. and it's just, it's so true. And for you to be able to, um, live in a place that is is challenged in a lot of areas and to be able to still um grow and to stay away from addiction and to be able to come out and teach this stuff and be able to lead um, by example with this great amazing attitude that you have is is really something special so i mean thank you very much because um i just i feel blessed to li live in canada it's a very safe place and when i hear stories like that you know i just it just um, it allows us to, you know, for where you're from, to be grateful for where you're from. Because sometimes you forget that there's violence and there's places that aren't as safe, you know? So, um, yeah. and, and I, you know, I, I wish there was more to do to help. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a tough situation, right? Yeah, and, yeah. It, it's devastating to see African people take advantage of African people. It's one thing to have, being brought up in an apartheid or racially divided uh, South Africa 
and to see, you know, Madiba Mandela, Nelson Mandela be the father, you know, of our of our nation and, and to, to say, come on, we can do things differently. And then in the last 20 years to see how African people have raped and pillaged the, uh, the coffers of South Africa uh, for their own gain against their own people has been devastating. It is, it is, wow. it, it has been, it makes me sick to my stomach to hear some people say that it was better in apartheid because I can't believe that. I can't believe that it was better in apartheid, but they feel so powerless and, 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 and hopeless that their own people have treated them in such a poor way that, that they would rather go back to apartheid. It just oh, makes, wow. me, makes me absolutely oh. But I, I think that's a very pessimistic view of there's some really amazing things happening in South Africa. For sure. You know, there's, there are some, uh, uh, we're leading in medicine, we're leading in, there are a number of fields that, that we're offering people you know, substantial opportunities to, to grow and, 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 you know, make an impact in this world. So it's not, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's all doom and gloom and, you know, where, where, you know, this country's gone to pot because I don't believe that I'm still here. I'm staying. I love my country. I, I, I will, I will stay here for as long as it takes to, to be, to, be able to give hope and, and help people heal uh, because I'm not giving up. I'm not giving, I'm not going to be one of those that give up. Um, and I, and I think that there's a lot of beautiful, beautiful things we've got. Be our tourism industry is absolutely incredible in this country. The, the, the vistas and the views, the food in South Africa is amazing. The people, we've got sunshiny, happy people. <laughs> it's, yeah. if, if you can meet a South African in London, you meet a South African in New York, then you'll know it's a South African because they're super friendly. Uh, so yeah. there's, there's lots of really uh, uh, hardworking people across the racial divides, or across the racial, uh, not racial, races, uh, pulling their weight, uh, wanting to create a future for all of our children. And our children's children. So there are a few people that are, are criminals, and uh, but they are by no means the the majority of people. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I don't think you were saying that it was all doom and gloom either. I mean, there's not. It's not perfect in Canada. It's not perfect in Australia. I lived there for five years. There's a lot of issues there. There's issues in the United States. No country is perfect. You know that's yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. there's no perfect place. There's always going to be issues, but you know what? Maybe all these challenges you guys are facing are making a lot of people strong. And you know, all we can do is like you said, you is work on yourself and make sure you're the light in people's lives. Right. So, um, yeah. I, I really appreciate what you're doing. Do you have any books that, that you have that we can, uh, that we can get into or anything like that, where we can send our, uh, our listeners? So at the moment, I've uh, created two games. One is a, a couple's communication game, and the other one is a self-care game. I, I am the president for Santon Toastmasters. Santon is an area that I live in. And I said that I would dedicate this year to being a president for, for Toastmasters for Santon. And then next year, I will complete my book. So I'm 
I am in the process of writing a memoir. I think that my story is crazy enough to, to be able to inspire people in some way. Uh, but I have blogs on my website, so they're very welcome to go and read my blogs. It's my, can I give you my website? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get it all plugged w- in. www.leighjoy.co.za and um yes go have a read of my blogs go have a look at my youtube channel which is also lee joy and send me send me questions send me your feedback uh i i I really do believe it takes a village to raise a child but i think it takes an even bigger village to raise adults too and i think that if we stop growing we're gonna die right so i i don't think anybody has ever arrived ever uh, and and I think that we can shine a light for each other to learn and grow. And, and, and the growing is just having that deep compassion for ourselves because then yeah. we're able to give it to others. I love that. And yeah, I'm, you know, wow. The, you're, you're doing great. And um, just continue shining that light because it's so important. <laughs> you know, you have a great attitude and um, I, I really appreciate it. Now, my one staple question, out of all your adversities and all your challenges, like you've had a crazy, it's a crazy story. There's no doubt about it. And so thankful that you shared it with us. Um, What is one lesson that those adversities or adversity has taught you? That our spirit is indomitable. It is absolutely resilient. And there's a, a magic that is not man-made that lies within each and every single one of us that if we tap into that light we're able to achieve and get over anything i love it (laughs) well well said well lee thank you thank you so much for coming in and talking to us because you know that, that was a really powerful conversation and i appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing and opening up about your story and your, your country and everything. It was just, is very powerful. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me on Lance. It's I, I, again, please keep doing what you're doing. It is, it's opening up doorways for people's minds and it's opening doorways in people's hearts. And I think that if we can reach across all, that's the beauty of tech, right? Is that we get to reach across the oceans and you can say sitting in Canada, Oh, you know, even in Canada, we don't have, we've got issues. And somebody in South Africa can hear that and go, really? Maybe then they can look at their issues with a different way of, 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 of wanting to be part of the solution instead of just moaning about the problem. Exactly. Well, again, thank you. Yeah, and that's, that's true. There's no perfect place. And, and I just, you know, there's, there's all kinds of problems everywhere, right? Yeah. But I guess it's at the end of the day, you can, you, you know, the more you focus on what's wrong, the more you miss out on what's right, you know, and, yeah. and it's so important to focus on like what is going right, you know, what, and, and there's a, there's so many things. And sometimes people would rather get caught up no matter what politician comes in, no matter what president, no matter what premier, somebody's always complaining, right? Mm-hmm. And it comes down to like, it comes down to yourself. You got to be accountable for yourself. And what are you doing to make a difference? Like, are you doing your best? Are you being a good person? Are you being an asshole? You know, like that's what it comes down to. And usually the person that's complaining is the asshole too. Like, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. So am I being part of the problem or am I being part of the solution? Exactly. You know, and, and what way, what I love what you're saying is that in what way can I take responsibility and accountability for my side of the street? Yes. You know, and in, 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 in how do I show up in life in a responsible, loving, kind way? And if I'm going to act like an asshole, then I can expect that people are going to treat me like an asshole. Exactly. You know, then I can't go into victim and like, oh, woe is me. Awesome conversation. Thank you so much. We'll have all the we'll have all the notes in the in the show notes, and I encourage everybody to check you out. And again, thank you for coming and hanging out with us. Oh, such a pleasure. God bless you, and I shine and sparkle my unicorn dust. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Go check out Lee. Follow her. Where go check her out. Check her out on her website. And um, as always, subscribe. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Share this with a friend. I love you guys. Have a great day.